You know, our mission statement here at Hope is to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And we believe by doing that, we can reach the triangle. We can change the world one life at a time. Because this, And I'm excited this weekend because I get to talk about something that is really near and dear to my heart. I get to talk about how we do that because I'm talking about the topic of acceptance in our relationships and the people that God has placed in our lives. Because let's be honest, you can't love somebody where they are if you can't first accept them where they are, right? And I, and I will tell you, uh, this is, this is going to be a little bit controversial. It's going to stretch some of us some. Uh, it, there could be a little, a little tension in some of your relationships. Uh, you might have some heated debate. In fact, I know that firsthand because a couple of weeks ago, Laura and I were able to get away for a couple of days. And we're sitting at breakfast in this little restaurant. And she says, so what are you talking about? And I said, acceptance. What do you mean by acceptance? So I give her my general overview. And she says, oh, well, I'm not sure I agree with you. I'm like, why not? And she'd give me a verse, and I would give her a verse. And then she'd give me a situation. What about that? How do you deal with that? And I would try to answer, and she would up the ante. And then I'm getting frustrated because she has more questions than I have answers. And uh, finally, typical man, uh, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to talk to you about this anymore. So she said, well, I don't want to have sex with you anymore. How about that? And I said, and what's new? And so here we are in this restaurant. That could happen to you. I'm just saying it's a possibility. But as we're going to see this weekend, God has called us uh, to accept people in our lives just as he has accepted us. Let me begin by just giving you a definition of acceptance to kind of work through here. It's this. Acceptance is the ability to receive another person without inner restrictions or outer requirements. It's this ability to receive, to invite someone in your life. You have room for somebody in your life without inner restrictions or outer requirements. The inner restrictions, they have to do with our prejudices. I mean, let's be honest, we all have areas in our life that when, you know, certain, we meet certain people, they, they just kind of bristle. Maybe they don't look the way we look or they don't think the way we think or they don't act the way we act or after a conversation we find, ooh, they don't vote the way we vote. And all of a sudden, it's like there's just no room in our life for them. We all have prejudices, let's just be honest, that prevents us from accepting certain people into our lives. These would be the inner restrictions. And then there are the outer requirements. They usually have to do with behavior or performance. Sometimes it's a personal requirement or a personal expectation you may have of someone that you're in a relationship with. If you're a Christian for a while, it could be a biblical requirement or a biblical uh, expectation that maybe they're not meeting. Maybe you brought your kid up to live a certain way. Now they're out on their own. They're adults. They're not living the way you raised them right, and so you kind of keep them at arm's length. They're not really accepted in your life. Or I don't know, maybe somebody has a different sexual orientation. We could go on down the list. But all of us, we have people in our sphere of relationships that don't measure up to our expectations. And our typical reaction is to just kind of push them out of our lives until we're ready to let them back in, which usually means when they finally get their act together, you know, there's room in my life for that person. I came across this quote. I think it's one of the best quotes I've ever, I've ever read. It was out of uh, Eternity Magazine on acceptance. It says this, acceptance means you are valuable just as you are. It allows you to be the real you. You're not focused, you're not forced into someone else's idea of who you are. It means your ideas are taken seriously since they reflect you. You can talk about how you feel inside, why you feel that way, and somebody really cares, someone really cares. Acceptance means you can try out your ideas without being shot down. You can even express heretical thoughts and discuss them with intelligent questioning. You feel safe. No one will pronounce judgment on you even though they don't agree with you. It doesn't mean you'll never be corrected or shown to be wrong. It simply means it's safe to be you 
and no one will destroy you out of prejudice. And I read that to you because sometimes as Christians, we get very confused here. We get acceptance confused with approval. We think that by accepting someone into our life that we're approving of something that's going on in their life. It doesn't mean approval. And, and over the next few minutes, I'm not going to talk about uh, this idea of coexisting. In fact, if you have that bumper sticker, you all do a little research and get the bumper sticker off your car, okay? I'm not talking about coexisting. I hate that, I hate that bumper sticker. I'm not talking about checking discernment at the door so that you can accept somebody into your life. Acceptance simply means this. I'm willing to allow you into my life. I'm going to have a relationship with you. I'm going to accept you where you are, and we're going to go from there. Now, as we're learning in this series as Christians, we have been called to treat the people that God has placed in our lives the way he's treated us, and it's because we've been invited into a relationship with God, and this is a relationship that is, is characterized by things like unconditional love, which is rare in our society. It's characterized by things like unconditional forgiveness. We looked at that a few weeks ago. This week, we're gonna see it's characterized by unconditional acceptance. In other words, we get, as Christians, we get to be included in something we don't deserve to be included in, but we get to be included anyway. It's a relationship that's characterized by things like grace and mercy, and it is incredible. It is absolutely awesome. But here's the problem. Here's the challenge for many of us. God then comes along and says, now all of this great stuff that defines our relationship, all of this great stuff that you have going on with me, I now want you to extend those same things to the people that I placed in your life. And just as you've been unconditionally forgiven, I want you to unconditionally forgive. And I don't want you to forgive because you think they deserve to be forgiven. I want you to forgive because I forgave you. And I want you to love them because I loved you. And I want you to serve them because I served you. And I want you to accept them because I accepted you. In other words, God says, I don't want you to respond to them the way they deserve to be responded to. But let's be honest, that's how we typically respond to people. It's kind of tit for tat. God says, no, no, I want you to respond to them the way I've responded to you. And that's tough. And already the wheels are spinning. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, <clears throat> I'm not going to answer all your questions in the next 30, 35 minutes in regards to acceptance. There's just not enough time. No matter what I say, you're going to have a story, a situation, a scenario. You're going to say, what about this? I'm going to get the email. Am I the exclusion to this principle because of this? I can't answer all your questions. My desire this weekend is just to give you a brand new lens through which to view the people in your life that right now are unacceptable to you. And maybe they're unacceptable because of your prejudices or maybe they're unacceptable because they haven't performed up to your expectations. But I want to just give you a brand new lens to look through. And I will tell you this. If, if you will begin viewing people through this lens, you will figure out what to do in your relationships no matter how complicated the situation is. Let me just say this also about acceptance. When God created us, he designed us, he designed us to be acceptance magnets. I mean, you already know this about yourself. Our hearts are automatically attracted to environments where we feel unconditionally accepted. It's the way we're wired. It's just the way we're created. For example, most of us, when you think about it, most of us didn't really choose our friends. We simply gravitated to environments of acceptance, and it was in those environments that we made our friendships, that we built those relationships. Ladies, if you're here this weekend and, and, and there's, there's a man in your life, whether you're dating or engaged or married, you need to know men are acceptance magnets. In other words, if we're in an environment where we're made feel 
uh, made to feel accepted and competent, it just draws us in. And I don't think you ladies have any idea how, how strong that pull can be. This is why some of you men would rather be at work than at home. It's because when you go to work, you feel accepted. When you go to work, you feel competent. I mean, at home, everybody has their own opinion. Go figure, right? But at work, everybody does what you ask them to do, right? Everybody thinks you're competent. They think you're wonderful. You love that feeling. Why would you want to go home when there's all this tension when you feel so accepted at work? See, this is the reason that men and women have affairs. It's because that home environment that used to be so full of acceptance has now become full of hostility, and, and maybe now it's a toxic environment. And, and eventually, I'm just telling you, your heart is going to gravitate to that arena in your life where you feel accepted, and sometimes it's with a different person. This is why teenagers take the advice of their peers over the advice of their parents. <laughs> it's not that their peers are smarter, even they know that. It's not that their peers have more life experience to pull from. It's just that we're far more open to the influence of those who accept us than we are to the influence of those who constantly just lecture us. Now, some of you here this weekend, you're in a tough situation because you're in a relationship where you're trying so hard to win the acceptance of someone who constantly rejects you. And over a period of time, this has shaped your self-esteem. It's shaped your heart. It's shaped your emotions. And typically, people who have been rejected tend to reject. We tend to build up walls and barriers. But then you become a Christian, and you discover that God says to us, I want you, forget that. Forget how you've been rejected. I want you to learn to accept others the way I've accepted you. You know what that means? It means we have to break the habit of only accepting acceptable people. It means that we have to break the habit of only accepting people into our world that meet our expectations. It means that when we're deeply wounded by somebody we really, really love and everything inside of us wants to say, when you get your act together, I'll consider letting you back into my life. See, when we think that way, our Heavenly Father responds, you gotta break that habit because I am calling you to a whole new standard. Did you bring your Bible this weekend? If you did, turn with me to the book of Romans. <clears throat> Romans, not too hard to find. Find the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. It's the sixth book in. Uh, if you can't find it, don't worry about it. We're going to put the, the verses up on the side screen. Romans chapter 15. This is a letter that Paul wrote to a small group of Christians, a church in Rome. And he has some issues that he wants to address with them. And so he begins by saying in Romans chapter 15, verse 5, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, <clears throat> you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul sits down, and as he's writing this letter, it's like he, it's like he writes to them, listen, I know that in that church in Rome, you, all, you come from all different walks of life. Some of you are young in your faith. Some of you are more mature in your faith. Some of you are slaves. Some of you are free. Some of you are Jews, some of you are Gentiles, but you're all following Jesus. And since you're all following Jesus, you ought to be going in the same general direction. And since you're all going in the same general direction, there ought to be incredible unity among you as a group of people. And then he says this in verse seven, accept one another then. If you have the New American Standard, I like it better. It says, therefore, accept one another. Therefore, since you're all followers of Jesus Christ, you're all going in the same general direction, you, you should have incredible unity. Since that's the case, therefore, accept 
one another. By the way, I'm, I'm an old football coach. When you, when you accept someone, it's kind of like catching a football. You reach out, you receive it, you bring it in. You reach out, you receive it, you bring it in. Paul said that should be our habit in our relationships with Christians. When we meet somebody, we reach out, we receive them, we accept them, and we bring them into our life. So he says accept one another. But now he raises the bar in verse 7. <clears throat> accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Now, let's be honest, that's a pretty high standard. Because now I have to accept you with all your issues, all your baggage, all your faults, just as Jesus Christ has accepted me. Because let's be honest, most of us would have to admit when I became a Christian, I wasn't very acceptable, you know? But what's interesting is God didn't ask me to change anything. He just kind of accepted me where I was and then once I got into that relationship, the changes began to take place. So if I understand this correctly, if, if I'm to accept people the way God has accepted me, then I have to get into the habit of accepting people where they are before they change. I have to get into the habit of accepting people where they are, this is the tough one, <laughs> before they become acceptable. Look at what Paul says in verse 7. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Why? In order to bring praise to God. Paul says when you do this, it literally brings praise. It's a way of worshiping God. Think of it this way. We praise people who go the extra mile, right? We, we pay, praise people who go above the norm. It's just not your average, except today. Let me just say, parents, the kids you're raising today, Everybody gets praise all the time. I, I love it when I'm around. I don't care what kid. Oh, you're so good. You're just so good. You're so, so good. You're a good little boy. You know, and you just get praise constantly. I was reminded of that this week. My daughter, my granddaughter, six years old, first grade, brilliant. And I went to her award ceremony. And I will tell you this. She got an award for like the best, best math student. I just want to throw that out there. But anyway, <laughs> what I realized by sitting through this award ceremony is, one, this could be exactly what hell is going to be like. Just a little bit hotter. Yeah. Two, in today's society, if you're a kid, you can pretty much get an award if you can keep from falling out of your desk. I mean, you can get an award. Everybody, everybody gets an award. There was a little girl there, and they gave her an award for being principal of the day, first grader. I'm like, that is an incredible achievement. I want to stand up and applaud until the parent beside me says, oh, no, the way she got to be principal of the day is her parents outbid all the other parents at a silent auction. So she got to be principal. I'm like, take that award back. You don't get an award for something your parents did, right? But everybody's applauding you. It's like that in sports, isn't it? Nobody wins. I mean, nobody loses. We're just having a good time, and everybody gets a trophy. You wouldn't have liked me coaching your kids in soccer. I can tell you that right now. When my kids played, I coached for years, and Adam's team, we put together, they were together for about five years, my youngest son. We went three years without losing a match. I mean, we were good. But see, I met with the parents the very first day of practice, and I said, what do you expect? What do you want to happen for your kids? We just want them to have fun. We just want them to have a good time. I said, okay, losing sucks. So what we're going to focus on is winning. <laughs> and that's how I'm going to coach your boys. And I'm also going to let them know that some are better than others. So the ones that are really good, they're going to play as much as I can play them. And some of your kids are going to play the bare minimum I have to play them. But understand, we're doing what's in the best interest of the team, and we're going to win, and we're going to be happy. Three years, we didn't lose a game, not one match. Walking off the field, and we had a kid on our team, Will. Everybody's got a Will. I don't know how you end up with a Will, but everybody's got a Will. 
He was the kid who wore the safety goggles. Remember when you play soccer? Every team's got one. Every game, the ball kicked, got kicked in his face. Hit him in the face. I'm like, give me those goggles. It's like a magnet. It's just tracking the ball right to your face. He was the only one. He got hit every game, right? So we're walking off the field after our last game. We've three, third season in a row. We haven't lost a match. And uh, his dad comes up to me, Will's dad. says, hey, what can I do in the offseason with Will to help the team be better next year? And this is what I said. God is my witness. Buy him a trumpet and get him in the band. That's the best thing you could do for this team, right? So you wouldn't want me coaching your kids because I, I'm old school. You only praise people when they go above the norm. No wife says, way to go, honey. You watch the entire football game. See, that doesn't, you don't get praise for that. You know? No parent says to their child, honey, I am so proud of you. You're so special. You finished all your ice cream. See, nobody, nobody says, you don't question people who just do the norm. You praise people when they go above and beyond, when they go the extra mile. So Paul is writing this to these Christians in Rome, and he says this. Understand, it's a really big deal. A really big deal. That Jesus accepted you where you were before you were acceptable. Remember Romans 5, 8, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. That's a big deal. And when he did that, when he accepted you where you were, before you were acceptable, understand it brought incredible praise to God. It gave praise to the Father. In the same way, you got to understand, it is a really, really big deal when as Christians, we accept the people in our life who've disappointed us, the people who have hurt us. When we accept the people who haven't acted acceptable, when we do that, understand as Christians, everybody gets extra credit. You know why? because that's not the cultural norm. What's normal is this. As soon as you get your act together, I'll consider receiving you back into my life relationally. But until then, you're out. You know how God would respond to that? He would say, let me just remind you that I got big time extra credit. I got big time praise when I sent my son to die for you. And when I sent my son to die for unacceptable people. And now, because you've been invited into this relationship with me, I want you to live a life worthy of that invitation, worthy of your calling, and I want you to do for others, except as I have done for you. Now, this is where it gets complicated, and this is where it gets dif difficult. As Christians, for this become a lifestyle, and that's what we're talking about, a lifestyle. There's just some things that are going to have to change. I mean, think about it this way. This is what's really interesting about Jesus. Jesus didn't come to this world to be right. This is not heresy. <laughs> Jesus didn't come to this world to make a point. That wasn't his purpose. You see, if Jesus would have come into this world just to be right, he would have gone around saying, wrong, 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 wrong. Well, you're really wrong, wrong. I've never seen anybody as wrong as you, right? Wrong action, wrong thought, wrong attitude, wrong motive. Wrong, 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 wrong. Follow me, you know? Nobody would have followed, right? Nobody would have been interested if his reason for being here was just to be right about everything. I mean, think about it. He was already holy, hello, pure, yeah, son of God. He knew all the answers. He knew the heart of every man and woman. You couldn't pull the wool over Jesus' eye. He could have just lined them up and said, wrong, 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 wrong. He could have just told them how wrong they were. Rarely did Jesus did. You know the only people he treated like that? Religious snobs. That was it. Rarely did he ever do that. He walked and he lived among wrong people. He walked and he lived among sinners. 
But you got to understand his reason for being on this earth wasn't just to expose how wrong everybody was. Do you know why he was here? He was here to build a bridge and he was here to win our affection. He came to this earth to accept unacceptable people. And now he says to you and me as followers of Jesus Christ, he says, I want you to do that. He says, as Christians, your goal isn't to win an argument. Ooh. Your goal is to win their heart. He says to Christians, your goal isn't to be right. I've never heard of anyone argued into a relationship with God. Have you? He says, your goal isn't to make a point. Your goal is to build a bridge. I didn't call you to convince them. I called you to accept them. And I'm telling you, when that becomes the new lens through which we begin to view our relationships, it has the power to transform our relationships just as God, through that very same lens, has transformed so many of our lives. It started when he accepted us. Now, here's the problem with most Christians. We want both. See, we want to we win their heart, but we still want to win the argument. We want to make a point and build a bridge. We want to convince them and accept them. Now, I got good news for you. Both of them are possible. Because when you think about it, that's exactly what God did for us. But this is where we have to begin to change and think differently. And here's where the power is. If you want to accomplish both, then you have to focus on building a bridge, not making a point. You have to focus on accepting, not convincing. You have to focus on winning a heart, not winning an argument. And see, because when you do that, you get to retain influence. You will never influence someone who doesn't feel accepted by you. I don't care how brilliant you are. I don't care how much of the Bible you can quote. I don't care how many times you go to church or where you serve. You will never influence somebody for the kingdom of God until they first feel accepted by you because then you get to retain your influence and then maybe by God's grace, he'll use you to change that person that you're so convinced needs changing. But it all begins with accepting because that's what God did for you and me. I get couples that come into my office for counseling. I don't know why, I'm a horrible counselor. But they'll come in and plop down and, and usually, and this is what's funny, when a, mo a man and a woman comes in for counseling, the men never talk. Like I'm here but I'm not happy about it. But the women, they'll talk, you know. And usually this is how the conversation goes. How can I help you? The woman will usually look at me and say, tell him I'm right. I've already shown him all the verses. I showed him every place in the Bible where he's wrong. You don't even have to show him the Bible. Just tell him I'm right. To which I respond, well, <laughs> you've told him you're right. If I tell him you're right, is that going to fix everything? I mean, are you guys going to walk out of here over the next few minutes, best friends, all lovey-dovey, just if, if I tell him you're right? And usually she'll say, well, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it that far. You know, just, just tell him that I'm right. You know, that kind of attitude. We all find ourselves there. This is what you need to know when you find yourself in a situation like that. While you were still a sinner, your heavenly father decided to win your heart. Not an argument. He didn't try to convince you, didn't try to build a case. He said, I'm going to build a bridge. 
And now as Christians, he said, if I did that for you, I expect you to do that for the people that I've placed in your life. Now I'm going to be honest. It's, sometimes it's not easy. And when you go down this road, there are no predictable outcomes. And sometimes, I promise you, it will even get messy. You will sit by and you will watch the people you love the most make the most horrible decisions. But I'll tell you this, if you'll decide to build a bridge and if you'll choose to accept instead of convince, then you'll retain influence and perhaps, no guarantees, but perhaps God will use that influence to move that person in his direction. I've been pastoring for 33 years. And I gotta tell you, I've seen it all. I've seen every situation you can imagine. I've had parents sit in my office right after their son or daughter informed them that they were gay. And I've had parents say, we're cutting all ties. We're gonna show tough love. This is wrong. The Bible says it's wrong, 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 wrong. I've talked with young men and women that are gay. And after telling their parents and seeing their parents' reaction, they decided they didn't want to have a relationship with their parents anymore because their parents were wrong, 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 and they were right. I've talked with pregnant teenage girls and her parents, their parents. And even though she's pregnant, she's gonna have to drop out of school, she's in love, you can't tell her anything. And the parents are like, if you do this, if you marry him, if you move in with him, I'm telling you, we are cutting you off. We are blocking you out of our, we are right. This is what the Bible says. This is the chapter. This is the verse. Wrong, wrong, wrong. We're right. I've seen husbands with wives who have gone prodigal saying, tell her she's wrong. Tell her I'm right. I've seen wives, husbands who have addiction issues. Let him know how wrong he is. Would you tell him I'm right? I've seen it all. You name it. Relationships are broken down. Here's the thing. Those situations are so polarizing and everybody thinks they're right. So I'm going to tell you what I tell them. And those moments, that's not even the issue. <laughs> and these moments, it's not a matter of who's right and who's wrong. The question is this, right then. When somebody just rips your heart out or disappoints you at a level you never even thought possible, this is the question. How do I do for this person who at this moment seems unacceptable? How do I do for this person what God did for me when I was equally unacceptable? That's the question. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's how do I build a bridge. How do I win a heart? You know, the question is, as much as this is hurting me, how do I accept not, how do I convince them that I'm right and they're wrong? And I'm telling you, if that becomes the new lens through which you view your relationships, this is what's happening. You're simply obeying your heavenly father. And this is what you can anticipate. When you do that, when you decide to live this way, what you're doing is you're inviting God in on the outcome of the situation. Because at the end of the day, we are his hands. We are his feet. We are the representation of Jesus Christ on this earth. And when we live this way, we become for others what God, through his son Jesus Christ, has so graciously been for us. Now, <laughs> 
For some of you, that's not that hard. You're just kind of a loving, gracious person. For some of you, wow, your world's so structured and regimented and it's so black and white. Oh, it's so clear, right, wrong, boom. This is excruciatingly difficult. But it's relevant, and I'll tell you why it's relevant. It's relevant because for every one of us sitting here this weekend, whatever campus you're at, there's somebody in our lives that has the potential to so break our hearts and so disappoint us. Our tendency, without even thinking about it, is to reject instead of saying, God, this is my opportunity to bring you praise because I'm going to do for this person that has torn my heart out, I'm going to do for them what you so graciously have done for me. Now, <laughs> I know some of you aren't happy right now, and I know some of you um, are uncomfortable. Like, Ugh, what does this mean for me? Some of you are downright angry, and you're already working on that email. So thank you ahead of time. <laughs> this may be a deal breaker for you when it comes to attending Hope Community Church. I believe this with all my heart. I don't believe there's a creature that God has created that's unacceptable. Doesn't mean I approve of everything. But there's room in my life for them. Before you <laughs> decide, okay, we're, we're going to go to Colonial. Um, <laughs> take a deep breath, relax, let me just say something. Probably the major difference between me and most churches that have, most pastors of, of large churches, is I know I'm way in over my head. There is not a day I get up where I have a clue what to do with this thing that God has put together. And I'm not smart enough to write a book to pretend I know what I'm doing. So I just, I have to keep it simple, and I hope that this will encourage you. I, I simply believe the word of God changes lives. I believe the gospel. When Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, that the, the gospel is the power of God for salvation, that's just what I believe. Lights are cool. Music is edgy. That's nice. 21 screens in the auditorium to make sure we can see them. That may help us communicate a, a message in a more relevant way in the culture we live in, but I'm telling you at the end of the day, it means absolutely nothing. At the end of the day, it's the word of God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes lives. So when I say we're going to accept everybody where they are, let me tell you this. We're going to continue to teach the Bible as the inspired, inerrant word of God. We're going to hold the gospel up because Jesus Christ said, if you lift me up, I would draw all men unto me. We're going to continue to do that. We're going to call sin, sin. The Bible says it's sin. It's sin. I didn't write it. God didn't give me the freedom to change it or to edit it. So we're going to call it what it is. I don't really care what society thinks. It's pretty obvious that I'm not really into political correctness. In fact, I like to be politically incorrect. That's where I, I feel more comfortable, you know. We're just going to continue to teach God's Word. And I believe with all my heart, we're going to continue to see lives change. Hopefully, 
without so many restrictions that keep people away, that make them feel like there's not a place here for them. Now, let me just say this if you're new, and then I'm going to let you go. You don't have to be something to be a part of this group. You can be a, a sinner, just like the lead teaching pastor of this church, and you can come right on in. And I'm going to welcome you with all your baggage and all, you ish, all your issues because God welcomed me with all my baggage and all my issues. And as a church, we're going to accept you where you are, and we're going to love you where you are. We don't want you to stay where you are because we believe that Jesus Christ through a relationship with him, can transform your life into the person that he created to be. And that's where you will find ultimate joy and contentment. That's our goal for you. But we're going to start by accepting you. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for not just being right. not just beating us down when we're wrong. Thank you for your mercy, your grace, your mercy that's renewed every morning. And I, I know that there are some, some complicated situations that are represented at all of our campuses right now. I pray for every parent here who has a prodigal son and daughter and they don't know what to do. They're trying to find a balance between tough love and enabling and, and living out this principle of acceptance. God, I pray you'll give them new eyes to see. I pray for every son or daughter who's alienated from their parents because of a lifestyle maybe they've chosen, whatever that lifestyle may be. And right now they're just so angry and they blame mom and dad. Just give them new eyes to see that it's not about that. In fact, Father, give us new lens to see that we can't accept others in their unacceptable state as you accepted us when we were so incredibly unacceptable to you. I pray right now for the spouse whose wife, I pray for the wife whose husband has disappointed them, has not lived up to the marriage vow. Or maybe there's a habit in their life and it's just so easy to say, when you get your act together, give me a call. Somehow, Father, help us find this balance of building a bridge, winning a heart, positioning ourselves to be used by you to influence. And I just pray, Father, that you'll give us all a lens to see so we can do that. And I pray we'll be there for them as you have been here for us. And Father, we just thank you as we've sung this weekend. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on us. May that be the life that we hand out and hold out to the people that we're in relationships with. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.